Okay, I hope you are, are ready to go. Uh, I hope you've got your Bible, your notebook. We're going to be digging into God's Word now. And this is just great, isn't it? It's so good. It's, it just feels like, uh, as Mary said, a new season. A new season for our church. And uh, we love that you're connecting in with us this morning. And uh, we're expecting. We're starting a new series today, which we're really excited about. So in this morning of new new stuff. We're going to be starting by going through the book of Philippians this morning. And we've called this teaching series, Even Though. For this study, as we go through this book, to be a reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus. If we know and love Jesus, we carry a hope like no other. And that means that even in our even though moments, and let's be honest, the last seven months, there's, there's, there's been a lot of those, uh, that we have choices and decisions uh, to make as followers of Jesus, uh, even though I am on furlough, even though there's a pandemic, even though I'm, I'm battling ill health, even though there's unknowns, even though my partner doesn't know Jesus, even though money is a constant pressure, even though I struggle mentally, even though I don't think I can do it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In our even those, uh, we're faced with troubles and questions and valleys. We're called to walk and to respond in a certain way. We're called to make certain choices. We're called to journey a Jesus kind of life. So I want to ask us, how, how, how are we getting on? How are we getting on with the even those? How has the last week been? How's this morning been? How's the last eight months been? My, uh, my prayer is that this book of Philippians, as we journey through God's word, that they, there would be a whole heap of things over the next two and a half months or so as we do it, that would, would do a couple of things. My prayer is that it would shake up. It would shake up where we're feeling a little bit like cobwebs, that there'd be a moment where the Holy Spirit just shakes us up. My, my prayer is that it would wake us up where there's been areas in our walks with God where we've let them, we've let it sleep, that it would, we would wake up. I pray that we would grow up. You can see what I'm doing here, can't you? I pray that we would grow up that through this journey through Philippians, that there would be a spiritual growth that would happen in our hearts that draws us closer to Jesus. I pray that we would rise up. You didn't think I'd get another one. I managed that. That we would rise up. That as a look, as a, as a result of journeying through this book, that there'd be something that'd be bubbling up inside of us that we can't not do something about it. And then finally, that uh, the Holy Spirit would show up. That we would have a moment this morning where we orientate our hearts and our lives afresh to him. And we just put our hands out and say, come Holy Spirit. Why don't you do that right now where you are? Uh, where you're watching from, just just have your hands out and just say, Lord, I'm ready for what you have for me this morning. I want to receive it. I want to have open hands to what you want to gift me through uh, this morning. I just pray that over every household, every person, every family, every situation that uh, is represented. Holy Spirit, we are ready to receive. 
So it's helpful when we start a new book to give you a lowdown, a little bit of context. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to rattle off some things connected to Philippians. So this is one of a series of writings from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Now, Philippi was the first church that Paul started in Eastern Europe. You can read about that in Acts 16, if you want to do that. It was a Roman colony in ancient Macedonia. Uh, there was a bit of resistance when Paul rocked up, and there was a bit of resistance to Paul and also to the subsequent converts, to those people who say, I want to le- live for God. Uh, it's quite a patriotic place, but the church still carried life, still carried life. And Paul, in this book, is writing from prison. He's replying to say thanks for a gift from the church, but also to share some other things which will journey in the coming weeks. So we're going to read Philippians 1, 1 to 11, and uh, I'm going to say a very short prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you are here with us, Lord. Thank you that you're brooding over us, Lord. And I just pray an increase over that. I pray as the, uh, the things you want to say uh, this morning will just be loud and clear. And the things that aren't of you, Lord, will just, will just fall away, Father. Thank you for your word, Lord. May we be people who are hungry to be nourished uh, by your scriptures, by your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philippians 1, 1 to 11 says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. There is so much in this passage, but I I want to draw a couple of things out uh, for a short time. From It's actually from Paul's opening prayer. Actually, it's the opening line in this prayer. But just to start, I I really feel that this is from the Lord for a number of reasons. I just want to rattle through why. Uh, Firstly, uh, I want to look at a famous road in Scotland. Taking a bit of a detour. I I wonder how many of you have heard of the Rest and Be Thankful. Uh, Rest and Be Thankful is quite literally named as a place uh, where travellers in olden times would stop rest and be thankful that they had reached the top of their steep climb before continuing on to their destination. The original road was built by soldiers. So the road is the A82 in Argyll and Butte area. It was built by soldiers in the mid-18th century and a stone was erected bearing the words rest and be thankful as a permanent monument 
upon its completion in 1750. Secondly, it's Thanksgiving this Thursday. And we are going to intentionally, Mary and I and the boys, have a Thanksgiving meal. I want to get into it. Every year, we've always said afterwards, oh, we should do that every year. Just that moment, that marker in the year. And you know what? This year, that seems like a really good anchor point before the seasonal madness, but also because of the year that, that we've had. And thirdly, I got a book voucher a couple of weeks ago. And I bought a book a couple of weeks ago called Radical Gratitude. And it wasn't particularly because I, I wanted that book. It was like I had a couple of quid left. Have you ever had that when you have a gift voucher and you're like, you know you have a certain amount to spend and something fits? So I ended up getting that book and it reached my total. And so there was these three things that happened. The rest and be thankful, a Thanksgiving coming up this week, and then that book all within a, a series of a couple of weeks. So it felt that, and then I looked at this verse. So we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving. We're going to be looking at gratitude. We're going to be looking at what does it mean to be thankful? And there's a, in the title of this book, there's a line in the title, and I feel it's a good starting point this morning. And it's kind of my first point, and it's recalibrating your heart. Recalibrating your heart. I really feel the Lord wants to do that this morning. You see, I read Paul's passage, this opening prayer, these 11 verses, and I see his heart. In verse 7, he had the church in his heart. He had the people in his heart. I want to call us into a season of recalibration and a see in this season of upheaval and discontent and indifference to the, the, the father is calling us back unto himself back uh, to the father's heart for you for others maybe you you know this morning you've lost that you've lost that that sense of uh, just having that heart for people in uh, the book, uh, Radical Gratitude, in chapter 2, it says this, Gratitude leads us off the riverbank of if only, and it escorts us onto the fertile ground of already. The anxious heart says, Lord, if only I had this or that or the other, I'd be okay. The grateful heart says, oh, look, you've already given me this or that or the other. Thank you, God. You see, Paul has this, this art down to a T. He's all in. He's got it. I want to ask, you know, where are we when it comes to that? What recalibrations, recal recalibrations does the Lord want to do today? What first thoughts does he want to reorder? What mindset does he want to just pour hope into this morning are we taking pockets of time in our weeks to rest and be thankful this season even though we find ourselves in a pandemic where work is different where shopping is different I always feel before I go into a supermarket I'm going to rob it because I'm putting my mask on in the car park where family time is different let's face it everything out there is different right now. But we look at Paul in verse 3. He's not at home. He's in prison. I want to say, and this is a, a really important reminder for Paul, his context is not impacting his commitment to Jesus. His context is not impacting his commitment 
So his context around everything that's going around out here is not impacting his commitment in here. Or maybe, actually, it is, but in a really positive way. We look at his language in verse 3. He says, I thank my God. I thank my God. Very rarely does Paul say, my God. I thank my God. There's an intimacy to that. There's a, a personal connection to that. It's close. He's choosing in this moment when everything out here is tough. He's choosing to push in even closer. And I'm sure in this season, the tempting thing to do is to disconnect, is to drift. It's maybe to show face online, but not to show heart to God. To watch for a minute and perhaps to sign out because there's lots of other different things to crack on with. And you know, this isn't about me persuading you to watch church online. You know, come on, connect it. But it's, it's a reminder to say you are loved this morning. You are loved by God. And we want to urge you to journey this faith thing in community. We're called to do that, to journey it together. And in the struggle, because this season has been an almighty struggle in all sorts of different ways, that maybe, just maybe, thankfulness is the Lord's whisper to you this morning to recalibrate our heart. And Paul does that in prayer from his prison cell. In verse 3, we read that, I thank my God every time I remember you. Just think about that line for a minute. Every time. Can you imagine the Philippian church drops into his mind? Lord, thank you for that church he's in the prison and a prison guard looks like jimmy from the philippian oh that looks like jimmy from the philippian church lord i thank you for the philippian church every time the philippian church drops into his mind he remembers them in all sorts of different ways and contexts and situations lord i thank you for them i thank you for them every time he says thanks he's choosing and as a result of thankfulness, of cultivating it, practicing it, living it, he finds himself always doing it. When he thinks of people, he prays. And that's a, a sign, I think, of what it looks like to pray without ceasing. To have open communication lines with the Lord. So when something or someone comes to mind, the natural response is to pray is to pray over that situation or over that person. It's a continual pattern in life. I want to encourage us. What does that look like for us in the week ahead? It's just staggering, that line. It's challenging. What's our first response to certain people? Uh, when I was in Aberdeen, many times I would, I would drive to Burger King and uh, I would get just a coffee. Other fast food establishments are available and are just as good. But I would uh, get a Burger King coffee, and I would drive to the, the Beach Boulevard at, in Aberdeen, and I would pray uh, my phone, like I would go through the contacts on my phone and just spend an hour and just pray through all the contacts. And if I felt the Lord had anything for that person, I would text them there and then. And those times were just so precious and stirring thankfulness because I'd be, oh man, I'm so thankful for that person. Oh, I love that person. I'm going to tell them what, you know, what, what God said to me for them. I wonder what that looks like practically for our weeks. Every time I remember them. 
thank my God every time I remember you. And then uh, I just want to share, God hasn't stopped working in this season. Take a second to imagine Paul here. People from the outside world would be thinking, I'm sure there was whispers, what's going on? Paul's blown it now. Look, he started all these churches, he's in prison. But there's Paul, thankful, joy-filled, and seeing God move powerfully right where he's at. We read that in, I think it's Acts 16, with the prison guards and the conversion story. God's moving, and Paul knows that. Verse 6 is exactly the promise for Paul's situation. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do we realize that right now? That God hasn't stopped during COVID-19. That God isn't surprised. That God is still moving and working in and through us and in our cities. Do you know that God has a plan for you? Do you know that that same spirit that conquered the grave lives in us? Do you know that the same spirit that fell on the upper room in the early church in Acts lives in you? The same power that fell on Paul and transformed his life from persecutor to preacher lives in you this morning. The same power is moving through your living room or your bedroom or the car or wherever right now as you listen. Lord, I, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, you'll just increase what you're doing. If I, I just have a sense there's maybe one or two of us that are, are just encountering God's Spirit right now. And I just, just give them time, give them space. I'm just going to wait for a little second or two. Lord, will you want to do any recalibrating? We want to give you permission to do that. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that I can speak to a camera and your spirit is moving exactly the same way as it would in all the other examples. Thank you that you are bigger than sometimes we think you are. Amen. Amen. Mary, a number of years ago, went through a book, and I was looking through our books to see if we had it. Unfortunately, we don't. But she went through a book called A Thousand Gifts. Is that what it was called? A Thousand Gifts. And I would go so far to say that it transformed our thinking in that season in our life with God. It says this, uh, and it, uh, before I say that, it's like a, a practical book each day of, of listing things you're thankful for. But it, it says this in the book, do we find joy in the midst of deadlines, debt, drama, and daily duties? What does the Christ-like life really look like when your days are gritty, long, and sometimes even dark? How is God even here? In this book, there's an invitation to discover a way of seeing that opens your eyes to ordinary, amazing grace. A way of living that is fully alive and a way of becoming present to God that brings you deep and lasting joy. It's only in the expression of gratitude for the life we already have, we discover the life we've always wanted. A life we can take, give thanks for and break for others. 
We come to feel and know the impossible right down in our bones. We are wildly loved by God. As I, I bring things to a close, I, I just want to share what I think the Jesus way of thanksgiving is. And it's from another book. There's a couple of books in here this morning. And it's in a book called The Power of Moments, which we actually have here. It's here. It's a blue book. But uh, in this book, they speak of a thing called the Disney paradox, just as I, I come into land. And they look at a thing which is called the peak end rule, which suggests, now stay with me here, that most people tend to rate their overall experience of something based on two key moments. The peak, so the best moment, and the ending. So psychologists propose that in various moments, uh, for example, visiting Disney uh, in a single day, a family rated their experience from 1 to 10, and there was a wide variance of responses. I've never been to Disney. I'm sure uh, a few of us watching in have. But the majority of the day would be spent standing in queues. I don't get it. You know, sometimes waiting for two hours and then being on a ride for 10 minutes. But uh, you'd be spent standing in long lines, sweating in the heat in Florida or Paris, overpaying for park food. So many responses would be quite low. However, the, the, the responses would soar once you've been on Space Mountain. They would soar once you've uh, had a makeover, dressed as a princess or as a, as a character, a Disney character. And the actual overall rating would be about 5 or 6 out of 10 which is quite disappointing when you spend all that money to go to Disney. However, these psychologists found that if they were to ask the same families, two or three months later, their overall experience, that rating would go up to nine or ten. And why is that? Because they remember the peak and they remember the ending. And they've forgot, forgotten the difficulties along the way. I just wonder if the Lord is calling us to remembering the peak in this season, remembering the day that we gave our lives to him, to recall that moment, to dwell on what that has meant for us, what we carry, and to dwell on the ending in sight, to dwell that, uh, as Paul says, that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that remembering with thanksgiving today would be a catalyst for a new season walking with him. That we remember the day that we gave our life to Jesus. That, our, that, we, uh, that we were washed clean. That we had the promise. We have the promise of eternal life. That his spirit lives in us. And we remember the hope we have to come. Not that we forget the difficulties. But that those, that peak and ending would shape how we journey them. Let's be a people who cultivate thankfulness. Amen. Amen.